0: What's going on everyone and welcome to another episode of writing friction and as always today's guest is pretty cool everyone say hello to sam talent how are you sam
1: good thank you so much for having me michael hello everyone yeah man this is a blast uh, um, michael got a new apartment right upstairs and i want to be the one to break the news so i don't want you to have that so we're all very excited for michael to move into a one bedroom above his current studio apartment
0: Correct. The SF Chronicle will write about it tomorrow, and I imagine my that
1: rag, two- that pinko commie rag, mm-hmm. and my Good.
0: my thousands and thousands of Twitter followers will <laughs> follow along with every move. um Yeah, I actually have a puppy too, and she'll be making the move with me. It's a bulldog puppy.
1: That's but- nice of you. I'm glad you're not leaving her in the apartment <laughs> when you move. That's solid at this
0: point, I might. uh Yeah, she's destroyed everything in this apartment, so I'm hoping she doesn't destroy everything else in the new apartment. That would suck. oh
1: god, what a nightmare! Do you-, you ever have a
0: dog? Do you ever have a puppy or any? animal oh yeah look right how, here what, what <laughs> boy girl name
1: we got gordy uh he's a boy yeah, and yeah he's right. 13 yeah and um yeah i mean i, I looked into him because my wife had him first so okay. i never got him when he was destroying everything besides yeah. eating her her underwear which yeah, he's no a big boss. fan of
0: I love it. I love it. So, Sam, I usually start the podcast. Um, kind of introduce yourself. Let people know, you know, where are you from. Obviously, for people who don't know, um, Sam is a very talented stand-up comedian. And for the people who do know, I'm a stand-up comedy fanatic. So, this is the first time I'm kind of linking up with Sam, and we'll kind of get into that. But yeah, introduce yourself, Sam. Where are you from, and how did you kind of get into comedy?
1: Uh, I was born and raised on the eastern plains of Colorado in Elizabeth, Colorado, which is like a population of less than a thousand. And then in 2005 I moved to Denver uh and started doing improv and stand up and then moved to Ithaca, New York for a couple years and then back to Denver. And I've been doing stand up and comedy since I guess 2005 now. Uh-huh. That was your first open mic? Yeah, so I did improv first cuz I never wanted to do stand up. I always wanted to be like uh like a sketch comedy like Second City, like yeah, yeah. uh you know, like Chris Farley and those kind of guys i always idolized that cast of snl that had like sandler and spade and uh, norm mcdonalds my favorite comedian of all time so i never thought i was going to do stand up but then um after doing improv where you you know you have to like perform with people who you know like their husband just died and they're trying to get out of the house or um The funny guy at the office, you know, um, who's just pretty much uh, quoting Mad TV instead of being original. I got into stand up so I could be alone on stage and uh, never looked back
0: yeah um i mean obviously you said you know growing up in eastern colorado denver being the major city probably closest to you also denver has always been kind of known as a comedy hub um the comedy works you know things like that you know denver has been known for that my question for you though wh- when you moved there in 05 was there an improv scene there was there something you could kind of walk into
1: yeah well first of all i appreciate you saying that denver is a comedy hub because being from denver or you know at least being a comedian from Denver, we have such a chip on our shoulder because everyone thought Chicago and LA and New York, you know, Austin, Texas, Boston—they're all great places. But yeah, Denver has like pound for pound, I think one of the best comedy uh, lineages in the history of stand-up. So thank you. Um, yeah, there there was a, there was a couple theaters in Denver. There was a short-form theater where you could do like whose lines of anyway stuff and get paid uh, called the. Imp- pulse i think and then yeah i I signed up for the bovine Metropolis classes um that was my graduation present from my mom from high school was the first level at the bovine and uh they had shows every night of the week and uh i learned from people who learned from like del close and sharna helper and stuff uh big chicago influence there so yeah there was i think there's still a very strong uh improv community in denver Uh uh-huh but and it doesn't how- get the love that, that stand-up does because stand-up is, like, sexy and cool, you know, compared to improv, which is, like, you know, for I don't want to be uh, – I don't want to cast them in, like, a stereotype, but it's mostly, like, dorks. So um, it's, a lot, it's a lot more fun to go to a bar in Denver and, like, get trashed and hang out with hot young people who are yeah. doing cocaine than to, yeah. like, go watch some people uh, pretty much rip off Always Sunny in Philadelphia Cause that's all it was back then is people like Sonny came out and people were just trying to do Sonny on stage. And it was yeah. so annoying.
0: Well, and I think it was important that we talk about the year again, 2005, a lot of, you had also mentioned mad TV, but mad TV had been finished by then.
1: I don't know, man, but I remember loving Mad TV when I was Oh, yeah. I
0: mean, already Brian Kelly. I mean, all those dudes. Bobby Lee. I mean, that was the genesis for a lot of those dudes. It kind of kicked off that career. And what a wonky show. And what a weird time. Because, I mean, they were,
1: again, going up against
0: SNL, obviously. Yeah. Um, How many seasons did that run for total? Do you know?
1: I do not, man. Okay. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's a good question. It's a fun
1: conversation I've never actually had. I don't know how long Mad TV ran for. But, you know, uh, it was just as important. Because SNL... Wasn't always good. And at least Mad TV was kind of like strange and weird and confrontational. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. So kind of almost
0: bordered on cringy, but the comic also bordered on cringy. Not full cringe,
1: but. It was very juvenile compared to SNL, which was so it has head so far up his ass. It's like this cultural institution, yeah. And Mad TV just kind of got to throw spaghetti at the wall and, for better or worse, see what stuck, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right. So you kind of step into that improv world, maybe you're feeling it, maybe you're not. How long do you do before you kind of write? You know what your first three, five minutes. What, what? You know, what was that like?
1: Um, so the f- the fifth time I ever did stand up. Was in the finals at the Comedy Works New Faces contest, which oh, is shit. like their okay. prestigious contest that everyone does. Uh, in the, and getting to the finals was like a big deal, but I fucking bombed, of course, because yeah. uh, I, I wasn't a I wasn't a comedian, I wasn't a stand up comic, so I got up there and just ate my ass. Yeah. So yeah i I tried stand up because there was a bar in Denver called the Squire which was like the coolest bar. And I wasn't 21 yet, but whenever I would go to, I tried to do stand up there once and they let me in and no one carded me once I went on stage and was like funny, you know? So, uh, it was kind of a way to get into what cool people were doing. Um, cause I was in music too. I'm a drummer. So oh,
0: dope. Right on. Did you play in bands?
1: yeah that's why i moved to ithaca because uh this i was gonna ask why the
0: fuck did you move to ithaca
1: (laughs) yeah so i like was in college and i didn't like it yeah i
0: figured yeah
1: um so yeah he learned how to play bass when we were in like sixth grade along to my drumming so he was like my best friend and he went to ithaca and i was like well it kind of sucks here (laughs) um let's go up there and start this band and we lived in this anarchist commune and just uh practiced all the time and toured and were very sincere and like earnest in what we did and uh, you know, we, people didn't always like us. We were pretty much like, uh, we were like a very, we were like a hardcore noise band, kind of like Minutemen meets lightning bolt two piece. Yeah. Two piece drum and bass. We had a singer for a minute, but, uh, he graduated from Cornell and was like, well, I'm not going to stay in Ithaca. I'm going to go. Yeah. I've have never, a very t- nice job.
0: I've never toured as a duo. I've always toured in bands. But um I don't know if you listen to Rogue, but when he had on the Black Keys, they talk about it extensively what it was like touring with just two people, especially yeah. when you're playing the shit clubs, you know, not making any money. When you're touring with a bunch of dudes like, you know, there's a gang, it's you you guys, but with two people, you have if you have a bad night, I'd imagine, you know, you, you know, you get a flat tire, so you're stuck with just that one person.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we never did it just a two piece. Like we would always bring (laughs) uh, a friend along to take photos, Uh, because you know it was it was like a it was pretty much a vacation. Yeah. So we were never just us. There was a couple gigs we would do in like you know Buffalo or go over to Burlington, Vermont, where it was just the two of us. But yeah, we would always. uh, And then later on when we would tour, we would bring an opening band that was our friends. But yeah, man, that that band was just a friendship. Is all it was. It was just a platonic deeply deeply held friendship between two men and uh you know we, we were brothers in arms we didn't make money we only played diy spaces yeah because we were like so into the politics of uh anti-capitalism and anarchy at the time or at least anti-statism and uh yeah so it was just the two of us eating quinoa and dumpster diving and you know making our own merch making our own CDs and never coming home with money it was never lucrative i always lost money on tour that's why you tour. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and I don't regret it at all. Yeah.
0: yeah of course. Yeah, of course. You're like you're the last thing you're doing on tour is making money. Um you're yeah, making a, memories, brother. A, a, a fuck ton. All right, cool. Yeah. So what was that? I mean, so you made that transition to stand-up. Again, it's the it's I gotta admit, stand-up comedy is the one art form I will never attempt because it's the one art form I have the utmost respect for. Um I can never get on stage with a microphone by myself and attempt to make people laugh. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't do that. Therefore I'll never try it. Um, were you always the kind of dude who was just like always making people laugh fucking around or did you kind of, is your writing different than your persona? How did you kind of come into your own as a standup?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I always have valued humor above anything else. And like, uh, you know, my friendships, all that stuff. So I was always a funny person. My parents were funny. My family was funny. So um, I'm not a good writer on stage. Like I'm very silly on stage and there's never any politics or like, I'm not trying to, ki- I, I just want everyone to get the most laughs they can for the money they paid. And also I'm like trying to kill, you know, I don't think it's an art form. Uh, and I have this conversation a lot Just because like in art, you get to have like uh, symbolism and you get to like, in the nuance and you get to make people feel a multitude of ways like one painting can make people feel sad or happy or like chagrin or whatever and stand up you just have to make them laugh like that's the only thing that you're doing if you're not making them laugh then you're not you're not doing you're not a comedian you're not doing the job yes
0: and no the argument immediately as soon as you said that and i don't disagree with you i I, obviously comedian's job is to make people laugh bill hicks would be an example that comes to mind where a guy who not only is he he making you laugh, but he's also making you think, you know, you're not laughing the entire time. Like you talked about Norm Macdonald, I think before, like he's not always, sometimes the joke goes past and then it takes five minutes for it to kind of come back to you. Um, There's ways to go about it. Yeah. But I I dig with what you're saying for sure. Yeah. I mean, making people laugh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, man.
1: But like, if I'm buying a ticket, I would much rather see Harlan Williams or Sinbad than Bill Hicks. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i mean like if yeah, i yeah, had an yeah. option if it was like you can go see any comedian i would never i mean top 10 i wouldn't see bill hicks you know because well, like taste, i don't want right, to be talking about
0: taste yeah yeah sure
1: that's fair yeah um but and to be honest i'm not even a huge bill
0: hicks fan but as soon as you said that i'm like oh well that's a dude who was known for doing that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah he yeah. also he also dressed like a cowboy in his last special Definitely. and no one made fun of him for it you know that one where he came out wearing a cowboy hat and a duster
0: was he, di- was he dying of cancer at that point
1: yeah <laughs> 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 all right we give him a, pass. <laughs> give him a little but, um, pass yeah no so i don't know dude like yeah um i bill hicks is totally good and i'm glad that he was a comedian and everything yeah. but the people who really really like bill hicks Are the worst ones to talk to after a show, you
0: know? Yeah, dude, you make a great point for sure.
1: Yeah, they also love Tool, that's their favorite band every time. They love Bill Hicks, they love Tool, they love Lucky Strike filterless cigarettes.
0: Boom, boom, boom. We got it, we got three strikes. I'm a fan. I like you already got me, Sam. Um, so for people who don't know, the reason Sam is even on the podcast was because I did a podcast with Doug Stainhope, and I don't know if Sam knows how that even came about, but real quick, the story was I came home one day and I was letting Reba my puppy out of the crate and she comes out and she just pukes just she off the ground and as I'm cleaning up her puke I go on just I'm like cleaning up her puke and i'm on twitter yeah and um, i see doug he just posted he was like i'll come on your podcast right now I, I didn't even know he did this kind of thing
1: oh yeah he's so bored in that compound of his oh
0: uh, well i fit i found that out after an hour of talking to him yeah but i posted <laughs> the thread and we did it and he mentioned your book which yeah. i had no idea even existed um yeah and he was super stoked on it and now I-, I bought a copy it hasn't come yet but i'm super stoked on it and that's why i'm stoked to have you on so please do tell the people about the book and how it came
1: about. Well let me ask you this. Did you buy it from me? No, I buy it through uh the local bookstore. The okay, book, good. Yeah, good, yeah, good, good, yeah. Good. That rules. What's your local bookstore? Green Apple Book. Yeah, dude. Over there on uh uh what is that fourth and Gary? Uh your close, close.
0: No. fourth uh Clement Street Clement apple Street, apple. Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, the always actual people, always local
1: dude I love green apple that yeah. rules my friends lived at 415 uh fuck clement's the one where all the the great like dumpling shops are on right
0: exactly yeah exactly what's the one two
1: blocks over what's up what's the one that's closer to the park the next street over the main the main drag right there that would be geary if you're going towards
0: the park yeah
1: okay yeah so they lived right there man i oh i love that part of town dude yeah yeah, anyway sorry so stanhope rules um I was just wondering if you ordered it for me because I was like, well, I, how long ago did I send it out? Because me, Sending media mail, because I fulfill, like, you know, I'm glad you ordered from a bookstore, but if you don't want to order it from Amazon, which you shouldn't, buy it from samtalent.com. Of course. And I do all my shipping, but I'm always like, okay, how long ago was it? Should I check the tracking? <laughs> anyway, that's bad uh, information. But uh, the book uh, I wrote, it's about uh, an old, you know, broken down husk of a comedian named Billy Ray Schaefer, and he's just doing a week on the road of terrible like hell gigs in the american southwest namely northern new mexico and southern colorado
0: not arizona
1: no arizona no i just kept it to new mexico and colorado because i could write those places without having to go there you know they were just like built into me and uh yeah man and i'm very very proud of it uh i'm glad that people have liked it you know comedy has gotten behind it and When i was selling the book which i ended up self-publishing thank god because it was much more lucrative like the publishers were like we like this but who's gonna read this fucking book you know it's so bleak and tell me about it there's no happy ending and i was like well you know fans of comedy will probably read it and they were like yeah but how big of a demographic is that and i was like i don't know i think everyone's a fan of comedy (laughs) you fucking idiots uh it was it blew my mind dude but um yeah then stanhope i sent a copy to him and he loved it and he championed it and you know from there he got me on burt chrysler's, chrysler's podcast and he got me on wtf with Marin, and it was just all through the strength of stanhope getting behind it because he has his integrity you know like every comedian knows that even if you don't like stanhope's act which i do he's one of my big heroes um he still has actually He walks the walk. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean?
0: It doesn't get more authentic than Doug Stanhope.
1: Yeah. And he still does those terrible gigs where he'll go to like Yampa, Idaho and sell out a pool hall or a, a bowling alley through brown paper tickets and get the complete door deal. And the place gets all the booze sales and everyone's happy. So just him building his empire and him exposing me to his legion of fans has been life changing. Like I owe him so much. I'm sorry.
0: I, I guess I missed. Did you know Doug before that, or you simply, or did you so send opened, out the
1: book? I'd opened for Doug three times, but when you're on the road as much as he is, you don't remember your openers. Yeah. You know, he was always very generous and kind to me, night of the show. But when I went to his house to do the podcast, he didn't remember me. You know, which is fine because I've had so many great comics open for me, and I don't remember them. You know, where did you it, open for him? I opened for him in Greeley, Colorado and then at the Oriental Theater in Denver twice.
0: Oh, dope. I don't know that place, Oriental Theater.
1: Oh, it's great, man. Just a big theater in West okay. Denver. Uh, I know, you know Denver
0: very well through touring and I, you know, I played yeah. you know, in Boulder, too, but yeah, okay, I don't yeah, I don't know that place.
1: Where'd you guys play in Denver?
0: Oh, man, we played all mostly Boulder, but God, I mean, I could tell you the shitty places in Denver we played. We yeah. played that place a bunch of times. It's either the Lions Lair. Lions
1: Lair. Lair. Dude, oh,
0: man, I could tell you some fucking <laughs> stories about the Lions Lair. Dude, pulling up up snow but we, we drew the band drew yeah i mean we would pack that place but right across yeah. the street is the fillmore or there's another venue yeah
1: right down the street yeah
0: what neighborhood of denver is that called
1: that's east colfax
0: yeah you know what's up it's just um,
1: it's just denver man i hosted a open mic at lion's lair every monday oh, for man, seven years it's gnarly <laughs> yeah, it gets gnarly as hell dude i'm so glad you played lion's Lair. oh
0: yeah yeah and, and Boulder, we played the little bluebird theater or the yeah
1: yeah that's a great theater, man. And we
0: also played directly across the street, the pizza shop. There's a venue in a pizza shop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That pizza shop, uh, I've had my heart broken there before. <laughs> but yeah, that's great, man. Lions Lay is one of the few places that's like actually old Denver. It's been there forever. Most deaf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. But no, yeah, so anyway, Stan no. Hope, uh, I, he, was, he hit me. I, my friend Mishka Shubali is an author and a, like a troubadour guitar player. And he was very influential in like, Decisions that I made as far as publishing the book, and he got me my literary agent at UTA because it was his agent. I'm and, sorry,
0: who was that again?
1: Uh, Mishka Shubali.
0: Maybe we should get him on the podcast. Yeah, you should,
1: dude. Yeah, I mean, no. He's, and what's uh, the name
0: of his? Well, first off, what's the name of your book?
1: My book is called Running the Light. Very dope. good, Michael. Thank you. And um, what is the
0: name of his book? Uh,
1: the Long Run is his most uh, successful book. It's about becoming sober through marathon running okay which i'm very much not sober but we uh we're very good friends I live in
0: denver i live in san francisco don't worry
1: yeah man but he lives down the street from stanhope and he was like man you should send this to doug like you open for doug and i sent it to him and stanhope ended up like calling me randomly and was like hey this is uh doug stanhope uh i'm reading your book and jesus fucking christ did you steal this right out of my diary what the fuck so now it's gotten to the point where he would call me, and I would drop everything. To the point where he calls me now, and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't do an hour on the phone with Doug right now. <laughs> but yeah, he had me out to the uh, to the fun house, and I stayed with him a couple times uh, during quarantine. And he just, he's the most generous guy in the world. Uh, yeah. I, I love him dearly.
0: So um, obviously, you know, Stan, I don't know if Denver's, you know, we're doing this in 2021. I mean, SF still kind of locked down. I can't go to. Funny enough the night San Francisco shut down for lockdown, I talked about on the podcast. I had a ticket to see Doug at Cobb's.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That yeah, night. you didn't That's do it. Long- right. Oh,
1: what's up. He didn't do that show. Right.
0: No. And he talked about on the podcast. Yeah. At the club backstage. And they were like on Twitter announcing maybe it would. And then it was like 50 capacity. And then eventually they just, yeah, they shut that shit down. Um, so let me ask you, when's the, when was the last time you were on a stage, man?
1: Um, so I didn't, I did stand up only outside during quarantine and I did it in like Wyoming and South Dakota in places that were comparatively low risks for COVID, you know, um, cause my wife's a doctor and she was just like terrified. And then somehow in December I got COVID. Um, and you know, thank God it didn't, it, I just lost my sense of smell and taste and that was it. Um, did it come back? It, yeah, my taste is back and my smell. It's the tough part with the smell is that I never had a good sense of smell. Thank so because I smoked cigarettes for so long that I'm I Jewish, can't, but yeah. Oh <laughs> man, it's a mitzvah to be here with you, Michael. All right.
0: <laughs> there it is.
1: Um that's cool, man. I wish I had some kind of cultural identity. I'm just a white guy. <laughs> um but so I, I did I did stand up two Wednesdays ago at this new comedy club in oh, dope. Fort Collins.
0: I'm because- sorry, so is Colorado Open.
1: You know what the issue with Colorado is, man, is like Denver is Denver and Boulders are very like liberal in their politics. They're incredibly blue. But the rest of Colorado is incredibly Republican. Actually, we're the birthplace of the Libertarian Party. So it's like very purple here. Um so there'll be people who totally believe in the science of it and you have to wear a mask, but at the same time, they're like, Well, I'm not shutting down my business. It's it's just a fucking there's a lot of cognitive dissonance in Colorado where it's like, yeah, you know, we voted for Biden, but, uh, come in and get all you can eat wings. Uh, it's that kind of thing, you know? So yeah, Colorado, Denver is not open for like shows and stuff.
0: It's like the comedy works. Isn't doing like 50% capacity.
1: So comedy works South is it's the, there's comedy works downtown, which is the, that's like, you know, Mecca. Uh, but that, that room is, it fits 220 people. Yeah. And if you were going to have 50 people in there, it still wouldn't be safe. So the South club is much bigger and they have about 500 seats and it's tiered. So there's an upstairs and a downstairs. So they are doing shows there. Um, at I think quarter capacity,
0: right on, right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, the last show I went to, I saw Mark Normand. Oh, good. At Com's January 3rd. Yeah. That was the last show um and well, i'm saw mark mark rules oh yeah no Mark. i mean i don't know Mark, but yeah he's a great obviously a great comedian who's kind yeah. of you know doing his kind of blowing up at the moment so yeah. i gotta ask so you uh, had you you said maybe you didn't some writing before how did you kind of tackle taking on a novel did it kind of just spit out of you or was it a struggle to get it get it on paper
1: it did spit out of me yeah um i wrote short stories initially and then I moved to Vegas for 2 years. My wife's first 2 years of med school were in Vegas. Okay. And like you can't go outside. Like I'm used to in Denver like going outside and reading in a park or like you know just walking around, but in Vegas it's 120 degrees like 10 months of the year. So I was kind of like locked in my house and uh I was writing something else. I wrote like probably 150,000 words of something else. And then the first chapter of my book ended up being um it was supposed to just be a chapter in this other book. And then I got, I wrote the guy and I was like, well, I kind of know this guy. Let's see what happens with him. And then the book just kind of dumped out of me, man, uh, uh-huh. over the course of like eight months, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: Were you doing, I'm sorry. I guess the time frame gets a little lost. I mean, when you moved to Vegas, were you doing comedy still? Or was that when you were doing comedy?
1: Oh yeah. So I never quit doing stand-up. Okay. Uh, I've always done stand-up um, you know, like 40, 45 weekends a year for yeah, the last yeah. 12 years. It's well, been, Oh, I sorry. was gonna say
0: because Vegas isn't really known as a comedy town,
1: right? Not good comedy, man. Vegas fucking sucks for comedy. Yeah. Um, and there's funny comedians there. I always say Vegas sucks, and then people will be like, oh man, that's why did you say that? And it's like, no, I'm not talking about like Jocelyn Sharp and like Brandon Hahn. Like, there's funny people there, but the crowds there are so fucking They're so unimaginative. They're just not creative. They're going to see like big C comedy, you know, like, uh, the, and they're not trying to see someone do something new. They want to hear someone talk about their wife's pussy being sweaty or like, uh, you know, what's up with Chinese people. It's just the worst kind of comedy that exists still. You know what I mean?
0: Could you give me, I've never, I'm going to steal that big C comedy, but first you got to explain or give me an example. The first person that came into mind and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, would be Sebastian, like big like over the top comedy what do you mean by big c comedy
1: i think i'm just talking about like the the, when i say big c comedy i'm talking about like (sighs) they have an idea of what comedy is and they don't know about mark norman and they don't know about doug stanhope and they don't know about ali wong they know about uh who was that? You know, they know about Dalia and they know about uh Rogan, they know about the biggest names in comedy, Tom Segura, and they watch their Netflix specials and they're just going out to try and and I'm not shitting on these people, you know, like they're very skilled. But if you're someone who doesn't know about comedy and the level that you dig the deepest you go is Burt Kreischer, you're not ready to see someone uh be nuanced or be subtle you know you want to be hit over the head with a hammer like sebastian for sure sebastian does have that great bit about when company comes over though do you he, know that he's bit
0: very f- i mean sebastian has a great history i mean people yeah. If people want to shit on him forever, I mean, people don't know his history. That dude, the, it's been talked about it forever, but he was working as a waiter and he would like, at the Four Seasons, I think, and after a shift, still dressed in his like uniform would go to the comedy store and yeah. wait till like 1.30 in the morning. I mean, that guy put in his fucking time.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it always sucks when you shit on someone when they make it. It's like, what's the <laughs> point of that? Just because yeah. they have exactly what you want to have happen to you, you're mad at them? No, yeah. that's not for me.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Well, wait, dads, let me ask you a question there Yeah. again, I'm not... I'm not a comedian. You tell me our musicians can be like that, but it's not that bad. There's a camaraderie between bands and shit is comedy still, or has it, has it, I mean, is it cutthroat behind the scenes that, you know, that, 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 you know, featuring level. I mean, what's it like for you guys at, at that level on the, on the uptick?
1: Um, I mean, I know that all the good things that have come in my career, have come from other comedians, yeah, vouching for me or yeah. getting me on TV or getting me the audition for the thing. The industry, and maybe it's because I live in Denver with no intention of moving to LA or New York. But you know, I did the Montreal Comedy Festival, and as soon as people saw my act, they were like, Hey, you know, I work for CAA, where do you live? and I'd be like, Denver, and their eyes would just glaze over, you know. Huh. And it's like, Were well, you gonna move to Denver? Are you gonna move to LA or New York? and it's like, No, my wife's uh, a resident in Fort Collins, so we're going to be here for at least three years. And it was like, I, you know, pissed on their shoes. They were like, Oh, you're wasting my time. So I don't think that comics are as back. by, they, they talk shit. They're gossipy for sure. Um, but I do know that like, it's the same thing I think as like rodeo cowboys or professional wrestlers. Like if I was in an airport and I ran into a comedian who I might not like their act, I would still want to spend the entire amount of time that I had in that airport with a comedian because, You're bound in this very difficult task, you know, Mm -hmm. like being funny in front of people is I'm not going to say it's brave, but it is hard, you know, like talking in front of a group of people and getting them to laugh. That's a difficult thing to do, you know, so like I always there's a lot of comics who I don't like their act. I don't like their politics. I don't like the way they act off stage. But if we're in a green room together, like we'll fucking shoot the shit, you know, I'm with it, you know. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like comics definitely love to talk shit. The group chat's always hot. (laughs) I can't even
0: Uh, imagine, dude. I can't even imagine talking. Dude,
1: there's so Uh, many group chats I'm in that if they ever went public, I would have to move to fucking Spain. Like I could never work again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, again, with the comedians thing, you know, I I like to think at the end of the day, you know, it's a brother, sisters in arms because you know, it's not 1998, right? It's not yeah. like people were vying for, there were only few HBO specials, a couple mm. of comedy central specials. Now we have the internet. I mean, people can do, if you're good, people are going to find out about you. It's the people who stick with it and keep yeah. doing it. Like you said, you did 43 weekends a year. I mean, that's a lot of fucking comedy.
1: Right. And also it's like comedy. So uh, boutique now that you can find exactly the kind of comedy you want yeah. Uh, so like, you know, due to podcasting and due to the internet, uh, you know, you don't have to like 95% of comedy and you can still be a huge comedy fan. And I think that that's good. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people want to pretend like it's still 1995 and we're vying for the same, you know, like getting on fucking Conan is going to change your life. And it's like, I know so many people who've done Conan who still work at King Coast, you know, same like there's no, Dance. yeah, exactly. There's no Kingmaker anymore. Um, so being nice is just a good way to do business because yeah. you don't know when Tim Dillon's going to blow up, you know, like being mean to Tim Dillon. I know I fucking love Tim Dillon. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like him. I knew that people like thought that he was, uh, you know, kind of a huckster and a flim flam man and, uh, you know, a fucking... Alt right uh, bigot, you know, and it's not like, a no, lot. He's, has
0: changed, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. But
1: he's just like you don't understand that he's doing. He's doing satirical Alex Jones. Like you don't get it. You you look dumb when you don't like Tim Dillon. That's how I feel. So, mm-hmm. you never know who's gonna blow up. So it's just nice to be nice to everybody again.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, why not just be a nice person regardless of whether it's going to help you out or not? You'll go to feeling better. Um, I don't you know. Again, but I'm from New Jersey, Northern. I'm from where they film the Sopranos. Yeah. So I am from the Mecca of aggression.
1: <laughs> go Did fuck you, yourself. Have you ever been to bananas comedy club?
0: Yeah. W- weren't there a couple <laughs> of them?
1: I, feel I like, like was, how you answered that question. <laughs> there was
0: definitely one in a mall. I don't know if it's still in that mall. dude. I've seen. I mean, yeah, but I've seen a lot of comedy in Boston. Yeah, um, uh, I forget. It was either Nick's Comedy Stop, whichever club was in Daniel Hall. I don't know if it's still there.
1: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um,
0: but I saw B- Bob's. My ex girlfriend was. This is a long time ago. Northeastern. She was going to college there, and we went to see Bob Saget. Oh I wow! Sat, I sat and we sat in the front, dude. And this is fifteen years ago, or whatever. Yeah. And I had a jufro. Like, <laughs> and he probably ripped me apart. If he did an hour, yeah, seventeen minutes was just <laughs> making fun yeah. of me because my girlfriend was hot, and I was like not attractive. And
1: yeah, <laughs> you're and very I, handsome. And, I'm looking at you.
0: Well, bad, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Uh but back, it was just like the. I mean, it was not working, and uh, and I mean that was probably the first time I'd ever. Been shit on. Yeah, I've been, sh- I mean, I can go, th- I've seen a lot of shows. Because sure. again, I, I'm a, I'm a single dude, so I go to all these shows by myself. I'm yeah. that weird comedy fan dude, uh-huh. like sitting at the back bar. Mind yeah. It. Um. So I've had very, I'll tell you a quick little story. I got I got to see Chappelle at Punchline. Uh, uh-huh. Have you ever been to the Punchline in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I've so worked I've, there a couple of times. It's great club. I'm at the
0: back bar and it was when <laughs> Chappelle, it was like, you know, when he was doing, he would just announce it and take it yeah. out. I get a ticket. I, I you know, I might've done, you know, I might've hung out before some people beforehand. We won't talk about what went down there, yeah. but I show up to the punchline. I'm like ready to go uh-huh. in the back. Chappelle does his thing. He does, you know, two hours smoking cigarettes, doing shots. Yeah. For people who have never been to the punchline, you're like at the back bar, but in front of you is the main crowd. So there's an area you could walk. There's a little walkway.
1: Which is, I don't know how those waitresses navigate that. (laughs) It's so insane.
0: Again, and one of, I think, the best clubs in the country. 100%, Um, yeah. And in fucking walks Chris Rock. And no one... Holy shit. And no one sees him in the crowd except for the people, the 10 people at the bar, including me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Dude, Chappelle bring they they. I didn't leave the pun. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. I Tuesday night I left the punchline at five thirty in the morning. Wow. They did four hours, dude, just off the dome.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being in the city when he did tweet one of those things, and me and all my, you know, fucking deadbeat friends, uh, we like rushed. I think he did Cobb's that time, oh, and we ran over to yeah. Cobb's. Yeah. And of course we couldn't get in, yeah. but he, he performed for at least three and a half hours, you know? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what I a cool me- life, man. Chappelle. Just like him and Hannibal being able to tweet at four o'clock. Hey, I kind of want to do a show tonight and then selling 400 tickets in the yeah. course of an hour and a half. Like, yeah. That's so admirable.
0: And Chappelle f- has a deep SF history. He's always yeah. kind of repped this city on his shoulders. Yeah. Um. So he does a lot. Of, he'll he'll do them at the Chapel, which is a venue down in the Mission. Um. Like when the Punchline was like they might not have been able to make it.
1: Yeah, yeah. He um, came through. He was
0: on this fucking steps of City Hall with a uh-huh. bullhorn. You know, he's been an SF guy through and through.
1: Yeah, he's he's great, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. Wait, have you ever have you performed at the Punchline?
1: Yeah, yeah, a bunch. Oh, dope. Okay, because uh, I mean, my best friend David Bory, who's now the voice of Comedy Central, he lived at Sylvan House in San Francisco, which is that house at, house at Fourth and Geary. Um, and I would come out there all the time and just crash on floors and do every show. Um, have you ever been to uh, Cheaper Than Therapy? Is that
0: the name of the show?
1: Yeah, and it's in a very small black box theater in the in, theater district. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: one of my favorite rooms to work yeah. out. Dude, this um, city.
0: I love this fucking city,
1: man. I'm jealous, man. Good for you. Yeah. It's fucking killer there. Yeah. I, I hope I've it, spent you know, a lot of time there. This
0: whole thing. Again, Denver too, you know, uh, I'm happy. I just don't live in. I'm happy we don't both live in Austin right now. Fuck, uh, I know, dude.
1: I know. How crazy is that? I mean, I don't get it.
0: Let me ask you. I mean, as a dude who's kind of you know, up and up, coming on up, you have no desire to hop on the bus, get a little plot of land outside of Austin and wait for Rogan to open up that club.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> like I every mean every
0: other comedian out there.
1: I know Tim just moved there, right?
0: I think ev- literally every comedian is moving out there. <laughs>
1: No man, I don't have any uh, any want to do that. Interesting. Um, no, I mean it sounds great. Uh, it sounds utopian, it and I'm kind of glad I,
0: you don't seem like the kind of guy who would do that. No,
1: <laughs> no, I mean, but a lot of people moved there. A lot of people moved to Nashville, and they're great cities. But you know, I'm I'm a fucking happily married man now, yeah. dude. I'm I'm locked into my wife. Yeah. I also don't want to live in you know, MacArthur, Texas. Fuck that. Well, yeah.
0: I, you had said earlier, and I want to first off say congratulations for even pre- performing at the Montreal comedy festival. That's a huge, thanks huge, man. You said Just for laughs. Um, then you said immediately after the, you know, agents were talking to you and they kind of rolled their eyes when you lived in Denver at this point, how was it even with the internet and whatever, how, do you even have to live in LA, New York? I mean it real quick in the publishing world, the entire publishing world is based in New York city, which at this point it doesn't have to be, but it is, Mm -mm. um, why, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that going forward? I mean, why the fuck would you have to live in LA at this point?
1: Not only do you not need to live in LA or New York, you don't need a manager or an agent anymore. Um, Managers and agents have to act like they're so important because if they don't, then they're just going to disappear. And also, I think that they're very good at finding someone who has 100,000 YouTube subscribers, uh, letting or you know, has a podcast that does decent numbers, and then going to them after they've done all this work and built their name for themselves and trying to get their hooks in and get their 10 percent of a pretty known entity. Um, I don't. I think managers and agents are very good at uh, getting with people in comedy, at least who have been doing comedy for three years, and they're pretty enough or unique enough looking to be in a commercial, and just trying to, not necessarily even. I, I don't think they're looking out for comics or trying to build comedians like the way that they were when I started. Uh, now they're just trying to protect themselves, man. Because as so many people have pointed out. They're a vestigial tale. Like you don't need them anymore. And also in comedy, it's like really hard to know when you're doing a good job or like when you're like succeeding as a comic, you know. Um, so I think that having an agent or a manager is very good for a comic who moves to LA or New York, because then they can call home and tell their parents, like, hey, you know, I, I'm with UTA now and they're not wasting their time. Because comedy's so lonely and you're just wandering through the fucking abyss most of the time, you know, bumping off of stuff, hoping you're doing it correctly. Because there's no, like, roadmap to victory in stand-up.
0: Yeah, no, and I agree with you. And especially, you know, you, unless you're, you know... Just throw out a name. Unless, you know, uh, I was going to say Louis C.K., but uh, I like Louis,
1: but maybe people don't. Uh, hey, man, who's funnier? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say.
0: I, I saw him at San Jose Improv, his first show back. I was yeah. there, the first show, and peep, there was probably, I'm not going to over-exaggerate, 200-plus people outside protesting with bullhorns. Yeah. There was at least four or five news trucks, Um, and you know who uh, sat in the front row?
1: Who?
0: two black girls lesbians and you know who laughed the hardest the entire show those guys those women well
1: yeah sorry uh uh yeah 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 yeah. the duo uh i I always say guys and i think it's on i think it's gender non-specific
0: someone someone yelled at me literally i you know i have a couple you know a lot of gay friends and one of my friends i was talking i said i said girl he's like do you mean woman oh yeah okay yeah he's like girl makes it sound like she's 15 i'm like okay right. well, she's not but relax
1: that's one i'm working on because my wife is so adamant about it but i, I like y'all i like guys <laughs> but yeah like i wish Lily would have apologized better you know like that would have been good uh to show a little bit of humility but as far as his body of work it's still excellent you oh know?
0: yeah 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 um wait but why did i bring him up um oh the agent thing if, yeah. you, if you're a kind of dude or girl or whatever uh who's you know raking in millions and millions yeah it makes sense you need an agent or a manager to do those kinds of things but if you're the kind of person like we linked up via twitter you don't need an agent to link up to do a podcast not at all you know and you know
1: what man i don't even know because like like hannibal for instance just has a lawyer you know like if you want to get to hannibal there's a phone number you can call and leave a message a la bill murray so i feel like once you're a known uh once you like can put butts in seats i don't even know if you need an agent or a manager then uh, unless you just don't want to deal with it like yeah, i'm sure seinfeld in- doesn't want to have to deal with anything so he's like i'm rich take 10 percent, and just keep the little shit out of my way you know I, c-
0: I can clean my own apartment but if i want to pay someone to do it because i'm either lazy or yeah lazy, you can yeah. Pay someone to do it
1: do you do that no,
0: I've kidding me.
1: Come on. I've, I've never hired a cleaning person. I'm, I'm so interested in hiring a, a, a cleaner for my well, house. Now, well,
0: we started off the podcast now that I'm moving into a slightly bigger apartment. Yeah. Uh, maybe I might have to. I don't know. I've never done it. I've never done I've
1: it. I've never either. And I feel shameful even considering it because it's like you feel lazy and like you're pissing money away. But at the same time, it's like I fucking hate cleaning,
0: you know, and you know what <laughs> it's it's basic just economics, you know, yeah person you're paying to clean your apartment is using that money to go buy food at a restaurant and there you know it's a ripple effect obviously.
1: You're right man it's trickle down economics. We're heroes if we hire a cleaning crew.
0: Sam I think we just solved everyone's <laughs> moral dilemma if they ever needed uh, to to uh, hire a cleaning person.
1: Oh it's a weight off my neck. I appreciate yeah. that Mike. Yeah.
0: So what are your plans now man? I mean obviously I'm assuming the world will go back to normal. Um how do you kind of rev back up the engine? Do I actually I wanted to ask you this cuz I think it's going to be difficult for bands to do this. Yeah. You know assuming that you know we can get back to full capacity and everything do you think there's going to be a, a clog and a back clog of people trying to get on stage at all these clubs i know bands are going to have a hard time booking tours probably
1: yeah i i never thought about that yeah um yeah i i bet i assume there will be because you know, once if people are in a safe spot where they're vaccinated or whatever, like they're going to want to go out and experience live content, right? The world will go on. (laughs) Right. But then how long does that adamance to be outside exist? Like the first three months when people can go see shit like this summer, hopefully it's going to be a fucking feeding frenzy for live performance. But then when winter comes back around, like let's say you're a band and you're trying to get booked, uh, And you can't get booked in a spot because of like that that clog you're talking about. You can't get booked until December. Like, is it going to be worthwhile? You know, like if 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 your big market's Philadelphia and you're going to go play Philly in December and there's a snowstorm, obviously that sucks. But I guess I don't know. I'm trying. I don't know. I can't. Put I mean, the you point wrote a I'm trying to make. You know, you, it, it's, that's, the, that's the job. No, I, mean, I know. I can't figure out the point I'm trying to make. I think I haven't considered what you said, and I'm just talking without actually thinking about it. But yeah. yes, I think you're right. Yeah, it's going to be that's a very I, I good think, point.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be, you know, because as soon as, you know, let's just pick a year from now, Cobb's is at full capacity. Stanhope wants to get on that stage. You know? Yeah. Andy Wong wants to get on that stage. Nikki Glazer wants to get on that stage. A- mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you know, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting once you kind of opens back up uh
1: yeah i know that um you know some of the worst clubs in the country have been hitting me up to come headline like literally the Looney bin just hit me up and they're like hey do you want to come to little rock it's 900 dollars for five shows and i told the guy who i'm friendly with i was like jeff man like no this is a terrible offer and he's like i know man but everyone's so desperate to come back to work that this is what the bidding's at right now yeah, and i'm like oh dude what am I going to do? Take a $600 pay cut to go to little rock and eat my ass for fucking three nights. No way, man. And he's like, I feel you, brother, but this is just how it is right now. Yeah. And, is like, that okay. at full,
0: and that's a full capacity club.
1: Oh yeah. I don't think they ever gave a shit. You yeah. Know? Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. Like, uh, you know, side splitters in Tampa. I don't know if Lots they canceled the show. They
0: yeah, they don't. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: they don't, fuck. <laughs> That's crazy, man. What a great point,
1: though, man. I never thought of that. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, well, again, music is so old. Again, I I know you said you don't think comedy is an art form. I do. Um, I think it's an art form for sure. And just like music, just like. Book writing, all these businesses run parallel. I mean, you know, it's all about the dollar at the end of the day. I mean, you're talking about, you know, taking a pay cut and shit like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's gonna be a guy or a girl or whoever, uh, who wants to get on that stage for that money. That's always gonna happen, you know?
1: There is for sure. And I just worry that the crowds who are so desperate for content are gonna go out and see a comedian who wouldn't have been offered a headlining week unless it was during a pandemic Mm -hmm. and they're going to be like, Oh, this comedy sucks. Agree.
0: And I'm going to make the, I'm going to even piggyback off that idea. And I think Netflix fucked up comedy in a way, only because again, I'm, I'm as pure of a fan as comedy as you can get. Yeah. There's when, you know, a year or two ago when you put on, dude, it was just,
1: fucking yeah
0: day was another special and and you know especially with the people's attention spans an hour-long special nowadays people don't sit there and watch a full hour they don't do it no you know i think you mentioned bert kreischer it's either bert or tom talked about it but they said i think no bert he said specifically in his new special he took the best shit and put it at the front and yeah he knew people after 20 30 minutes they kind of are tuning out um And yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that's how I look at it. Netflix kind of, it was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, It, in a way, almost diluted the art form because some of those specials suck dick.
1: Oh, for sure, dude. There was a lot of really bad ones. Um, I remember I was a huge TJ Miller fan because he was from Denver and we were friends. Did you see his special, his HBO special?
0: No, there's two again, it sure, was so, yeah. yeah, yeah, well,
1: it was dog shit, though, That's, bummer to hear, <laughs> yeah, it was a bummer, I was, like, so stoned, and I was, like, all right, all I'm doing tonight is watching TJ's special, I'm gonna get as high as fuck, yeah, and I was sitting there, and I asked my wife, I was, like, what, am I, yeah. am I too stoned to know what comedy is, like, this yeah. isn't funny, right, and she's, like, no, it's terrible, <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about, yeah. but, yeah, man, I, but at the same time, it's, like, it's cool that Ali Wong, who worked her ass off for so long, Finally, got paid by Netflix, you know? So, like, it is bad probably for 90% of comedians, but the people who got that money, like, i'm happy for them you know what i mean
0: oh i mean again you know there are some netflix specials that'll go down in history obviously um netflix yeah. has put out some amazing specials but again for me as a comedy fan it was just it, it became so much that it became like a joke in itself yeah like you what another you know again and there's another special it's just like hey uh
1: yeah was, oy vey, was, i like that i say oy a lot uh that's probably the most cultural appropriation i get into is uh Like, I I do a Passover now, because I went to a Passover three years ago in Columbus, Ohio, and I was like, this is the best. (laughs) Like, what? why don't we do this every year? And they were like, well, because you're not Jewish, uh, A. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to fucking round up some Jews, which, you know, historically, that's not good. But uh, I was was doing it for the right reasons. But yeah, man. uh, And also, like, there's just, people are lazy. Like, why would you want to leave your house if you can stay in and watch, like, allegedly the best comedians in the world you know in the comfort of your own home yeah i also worry about a bunch of people who were half-assing it at stand-up like they would go to like three open mics a week and like and during quarantine they're like as soon as i can get back out there i'm gonna fucking chase my dream 10 times harder you know and like they were never good like they were bad Mm -hmm. so it makes me nervous that all these like very unskilled comics are gonna try and like clog up the stages and shit you know
0: You don't think it's going to equal out in the other spectrum of where those really shitty comedians who were clogging up the stages will finally realize, I no longer am going to do this? I hope so. Because I know a couple of them personally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too, man. I know more than a couple. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, because I was like, uh, how, what am I going to do? My whole life's been defined by being a comedian uh I won't be able to make it, and like I was fine, you know, like not having to be in an airplane twice a week like it was nice to be forced to take a break from this thing, Of yeah. course, I miss it, and I can't yeah. wait to go back, but all these people who I remember when uh- co- when Covid first hit, there was like a fund for comics in Denver for like rent relief and stuff, yeah, yeah. and all these people who were applying for these grants. They probably made 40 bucks a month off stand up. You know, it's like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, all my money's gone. It's like, what? You never ever made money off stand up. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? Like, get out of the way. You yeah, know, there's yeah. people who actually were making some of their rent off stand up and you're just in the way of them. Like, I don't know. That really pissed me off, man. No, it was like I, stolen I, valor, you know? I get it. I get it.
0: Um, and, you know, it's 2021. I like to think, you know, the world for comedians now, if you're the kind of person who wants to get after it, there are so many tools right now. That, I mean, look at Andrew Schultz. You know, I mean, there are people yeah. who have turned this pandemic into something that is just, you know, they've launched their careers by doing things. And, you know, again, it just depends on if you want to get after it.
1: Um, also, Schultz is just so unique. He's such an innovator and he had so much foresight. Because when I was in Montreal and 2019 he was the talk of the festival and it was like and you know he would be at the bar talking to like me and like shane gillis and being like you don't need any of these fucking people these people don't mean anything anymore like here's what you do blah 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 and we were like fired up you know and like chugging beers and then you just see his meteoric rise continue and it's like damn he was he was like a soothsayer you know he knew the future
0: um. Um. You said Shane Gillis, a guy again, a dude who I mean, obviously the SNL thing, but now who's kind of. Did you see that video he put out about the car salesman the ISIS? Oh yeah, ISIS.
1: Yeah, that for sure.
0: dude. I, I don't. You know, it's hard for to get me that fuck. And again, that's a dude who now I am now a full fledged fan. He got. Oh, yeah. In a time where it's hard to, you know, people are out there to get. Yeah. Uh, and he fucking. I mean, I don't know if it's your kind of comedy. He fucking nailed it with that
1: no he's very much my kind of comedy yeah Um, yeah that was and obviously shane got in trouble and uh you know i I think that the thing he got called out for the using the chinese slur was bad but he was also you know he said the f slur a lot on his podcast too so you're gonna get in trouble you know but shane luckily uh is very very just tough uh, you know mentally strong and I'm glad that he kind of landed on his feet. I talked to Shane a lot. We're we're pretty good friends. Uh, during the Super Bowl we both fucking ate our ass gambling on the Chiefs. Let's not even go
0: there please. Brother.
1: Uh. Oh fuck cuz he was in North Carolina and he couldn't he wasn't in a legal state to place a bet. So I had all of his bets in Good God, we fucking tanks, man! Great. Brutal. We had first half and second half. Oh, it sucked. Yeah, he dude, took the over like an idiot, but that's okay. not on me,
0: dude. Sam, <laughs> this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Um, I you know I can hear Reba barking. So yeah, can, yeah, no, yeah, no, dude, no, no This is normally I'm end, it, but uh, I always kind of end the podcast with two quick questions. Obviously, you're probably heavy into social media. Um, where are people going to find you on Twitter, Instagram? What do you do?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I like it a lot more at Sam Talent S A M T A L L E N T. If you want to follow me on Twitter, God bless you. But I just retweet people, and like you know, luckily people will tag me with guys like you, and I end up doing podcasts and yeah. stuff. But yeah. yeah, at Talent Sam on Twitter, and buy my book off my website. Uh, you get a signed copy for twenty five bucks, including shipping. And if you're like, oh, I can buy it off Amazon for twenty, it's like, oh, uh, this was a this is the best thing I've ever done. Why don't you pay an extra five bucks and I'll make 17 instead of seven. So order from me at my website.
0: Well, you, yeah. Then you answered my second, literally you answered my second question. I always ask, where do people buy your book? Oh yeah. Buy it on the website, but also can you rep any, uh, local bookstores Any any spots you'd like to rep? Obviously green apple.
1: Oh yeah. Green apple rules. Uh, I love, I love green apple. I love city lights. Um, you know, the best bookstore in Denver, Tattered Cover, uh, Kilgore Books, Mutiny Information Cafe has a great book selection. Um, yeah, if you're in Denver, go to Mutiny. You can buy my book there. Uh, what else, man? There's a bunch of... there's. I, that's all I do on the road is go to bookstores, yeah. use bookstores and yeah. kill time. Yeah. Uh, the fucking bookstore in Iowa City. I can't remember that one's name, but goddamn, is it good. The University of Seattle or the University of Washington bookstore in Seattle is amazing uh the one that's like hennepin and quinn and min- minneapolis is amazing I, I miss bookstores man yeah do
0: i miss it all man do i i miss doing these in person maybe we could do one in person again in
1: the future man michael what a joy yeah uh, what a blast and if, it was really if we,
0: fun we, yeah and if we do i promise i will bring you a dreidel
1: <laughs> thanks man <laughs> just dude, uh so... i'll pass on the to fish Most i tried definitely. it it's not for me brother
0: Dude, m- no worries. It's not for me unless you're my 68 year old Jewish mother from the Bronx.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, but what about Whitefish,
0: huh? Woohoo! Come that's, on. That's a whole other podcast Whitefish on Everything Bagel. Let's not even go there, please. Sam, dude, what a blast, man.
1: Oh, man. What a mitzvah. I appreciate you, Michael. Enjoy the day, man. Later. Yeah, thanks, brother. Congrats on the move. Thanks, man. Bye bye.